Hello and welcome to Absolute Bedlam Podcast. It's the end of season one, everyone. Woohoo! And who better to end season one than my good friend Andy Branch? Hello, Andy. Hello, Ben. I'm honoured. <laughs> Is your iPad all right? All good? Yeah, all good. All good. Sweet. So, I've got to be honest. I've just been out jogging. I've got a ready meal staring at me. <laughs> I've eaten about three mouthfuls. And I thought, right, the quicker this is done, <laughs> the quicker I can get back to my real life. So I've written a few notes. Obviously, we've been through some notes, Andy. We've discussed what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And this is going to be my first ever podcast talking about a TV show. Mm. So that's exciting. Please don't turn off. <laughs> um, we might as well just do the spoiler alert now. We're going to be talking about season one of Ozark. If you haven't watched season one of Ozark, A, what the hell have you been doing? <laughs> B, this is enough warning that the next hour will be containing spoilers from season one of Ozark. And considering season four's out next year, I think, you know, that's a fair fair place to start don't you think rather than just talking about the whole thing yeah definitely so yeah get on Ozark people if you want to know about money laundering then that's the place to do it because there's not a lot online about money laundering because it's pretty illegal <laughs> so let's kick this off so with all my friends Andy I talk about how we met and I think based on my last podcast with Jamie Jamie Thompson, Jamie mm. Axe. Um, I got it quite wrong. So I'm going to go off my recollection of what I remember my first encounter with you as. And then you're probably going to give me a completely conflicting story. And we're going to have a laugh. Yeah, let's see. I'm sure your memory's better than mine. So first time I ever met you, we were going for a night out with Mark, Jim, Scott, who didn't like me at the time. Um, potentially Andy Bell. Yeah. Um, and all I really remember, because this is when I really started drinking, is we went to somewhere in town. Then we went back to your house, and I can't remember who drove us. It might have been Ed. Ed Dunn might have been with us. Mm -hmm. And we went to the most remote place I've ever been to in my entire life in Weymouth. Um, Obviously, I won't go into specifics about where it was or anything, but I'm fairly sure I've never been there before. Um, and we basically went straight into your basement and played Amnesia for about seven hours. While completely intoxicated on Captain Morgan's. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that a fair assumption? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure I met you before that, and I imagine it was some sort of Desert Rose gig, I think. But yeah. yes, that was certainly one of the the first times we actually sort of socially hung out together, um, yeah. and we basically yeah. all did it just to to listen to Mark shriek every time there was a jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody monster! Uh, fantastic game. It's brilliant for the the social playing, definitely. Yeah, that was a scary game. Um, I'm trying to think if there was any more specifics of that night. Um, yeah, I think 
with you in particular, you and Jim are my sort of standouts for this throughout the last sort of 10, 12 years that I've known both of you, is you two are just up for a laugh. Mm-hmm. And you won't really let anything stand in that way of like you getting what you want. <laughs> and like if someone gives you a problem, then you tend to sort of laugh it off and like shrug it off. And like a lot of people get quite stressed. And like with me, for example, like it builds up inside of me. Yeah. Whereas you kind of just deal with it then and there. And then it's sort of reset back to zero. And I think that's really helped you, like, professionally as well as, like, socially and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I um, think so. I don't think I've ever seen you, I don't think I've ever seen you, like, fully raging, like, stressed out, like, get away from me, I'm about to explode. And that's quite rare nowadays, because I think people more than ever get pissed off about the smallest things. Yeah. So, uh, just an observation. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thank you. Um, I... Yeah. I, I remember listening to Jim's podcast and I think he was saying he's he's a problem solver is the way he sees the world and I definitely I definitely approach things the same way. In fact it, it winds my yeah. wife up sometimes when all she wants to do is just have a mail about something and I can't help myself but try and tell her how to fix it and that's not what that's not what she wants. <laughs> you are preaching to the choir, my yeah. friend, because and it gets really annoyed when I do that as well. I think it's a man thing. I've heard that before. I've heard people say yeah. it's like it's a male thing. Like you just you hear a problem, yeah. you want to solve it. But no, I, I certainly have that kind of approach um, in my life, and I know Jim does as well. So that's probably why we're quite similar in that regard. But yeah, I would I would say so. I I can't remember the last time I raged properly about about anything really. I I, I guess I'm just generally quite a calm chap. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um... I did a course a couple of uh, moons ago about um, like human behavior and it was a very low level course. It was a, it wasn't anything special. Um, and there's a thing in your brain, I think it's called the Papa circuit. Mm. And if you have a short Papa circuit, then that's where the saying you have a short fuse comes from. Oh, right. Cause it means you'll just go not to a hundred instantly. Whereas if you have a long Papa circuit, apparently it takes you a very, very long time to get stressed out. But once you are stressed out, you're stressed out for like 30 minutes mm-hmm. and you have to like cool down. And that is everything I know about the human brain in about <laughs> 30 seconds because I'm not very good with reading people. I'm not very good at figuring stuff out. Um, usually if I can't throw money at it or uh, I can't fix it physically, then I give up. Which is not a great trait, really, but we'll work for it together, people. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically, this podcast is my therapy. It's free, and it's uh, it's good to bounce ideas off people, isn't it? It's good about the the collaboration. That's what I'm on. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And especially good so, to talk with the year we've had. I know you've covered this already on other other sort of episodes, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely nice to have the the social interaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when I first met you, I do specifically remember these crazy little road trips that we'd have. Um, and we'd listen to like game soundtracks. Yes. And we'd listen to some really weird music. Um, and it would oddly fit the situation that we were in at the time. Yeah. And some of it was like sort of spoken word with like a sort of drum beat in the background. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, it was like kind of like the Blues Brothers, <laughs> but like a human sort of personification of that. And it would always be Mark Taylor in the passenger seat, you in the driver's seat. Because I think you were quite late to the driving party. Yeah, Mark you? and I learned to drive at the same time, which was, yeah, fairly yeah. late. Yeah, because I was even later. Yeah. But, um, it was always like, with you, Mark and Jim, there was always a, a chance to go on some sort of adventure. <laughs> and um, I think we've kind of grown out of that now. We're all, you know, 30 plus and all that sort of stuff. But I've really like missed that sort of, let's go to an abandoned building and <laughs> let's just go get drunk and go to town and see who's out. And I think some of those nights are the best nights when they're completely unplanned, they're completely spontaneous. Um, you know, just see what's out there, have a go. Yeah, they've certainly been the most memorable ones. Yeah. I've always been a planner and I've always planned everything to the point where it's like not fun anymore. So to like be around people that don't really plan and it was like a whoa, this is weird. <laughs> but I think um to be honest, I'm quite jealous of people like that really. Because I've always, I've always liked to sort of know when I'm going out, what I want to wear, you know, how many drinks can I have, and you know, if my girlfriend's picked me up, I've wanted to know what time she's going to pick me up and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just a bit, but just a bit. That's a know. massive strength like for you, though, as well, isn't it? Because that's what's got you through all the stuff you've done, managing different bands and your work and stuff yeah. like that. Like your your organisational yeah. need is what's driven a lot of that to success so yeah i'm very very structured and i like a routine i think routine's probably one of the most powerful things that you can have as an individual Mm. um and i don't think anyone should ever underestimate the power of a, a scheduled routine of getting up going for a jog getting home you know doing what you need to do go to bed wake up eight hours all that sort of stuff but occasionally you meet people that kind of break you out of that and they want to see what you're like outside of that environment. And I think you either you sink or swim, really, don't you? <laughs> but yeah, it's been a laugh. It's uh, There's not been a single time, especially with you, that I've um, fallen out with you, I don't think. No. No, I, mm. yeah, I don't think so. It's um, It's all been pretty good. It's been some good, some really good times. I remember those road trips, and you would. I, I, it's not something at the forefront of my mind. That's not something we've kind of mentioned before the podcast. But when you, yeah. um, when you bring it up, yeah, I have yeah. certainly had some interesting journeys. And I, I, I love there's something about uh, whether it's a road trip or a walk or whatever it is. I, I just love the there's like a mental process that goes along with that yeah. that journey, and it's like getting from A to B. Like the the destin I don't know, this is gonna sound really cliche, but the destination's not not the goal, is it? And you actually end up like all the fun you have along the way is is that's the value of yeah. it. So yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's all about good the time. journey. Yeah. It's all about the journey and the struggle. That's such a cliche. <laughs> I think obviously not going too much into it, I think I was a bit out of the loop, um, because I had like quite odd work hours when I first met you. Mm-hmm. But I remember you, Mark, and Andy Bell. I think this is literally off the top of my head. You went to somewhere called Ullapool? Yeah, we drove to Scotland. We drove from Weymouth to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for 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 a day and a half, and then we drove back again. 
that sounds like a YouTube video. There, I think there was a YouTube video. Jackass. To be fair, I, I think I did make a YouTube video of it. Um, I don't know if it still exists anywhere, but um, I think it had some clutch music in it, didn't it? It did, yeah. But um, no, there's a guitar festival in Liverpool that I think Mark and Andy That's have been it. to before, yeah. and I'd I'd not been to it. So um, and it's mm-hmm. not just like they have like guitar music, and they also have like um, like a guitar fair, so you can walk around like this big center that's just full of people selling guitar merchandise and stuff. And uh, yeah. we, yeah, I, I got asked to go. I was just like, yeah, let's, let's yeah. do it. I think we had, I think it was Mark's VW Polo estate <laughs> that he had at the time. That just did not stop. No. It just going. It's probably it, still going right now. It was, yeah. And he, I think the night before we went, got me and Andy Bell insured for like three yeah. days on his car. And then the yeah. three of us just rotated the driving. The main thing I remember about that trip is the first service stop we made after picking up Andy Bell in Bath. We stopped oh, to get God. some fuel or something. And the first thing that happened is Mark got out of the car and stacked it over a, over a <laughs> curb in this car park Jesus. and just completely face planted in the car park. That was, um, Jesus. that was the start of the journey. That and Mark being too scared to walk across a bridge because it was really high up. He, he's an odd one. I'd really like to get him on, but I've not spoken to him in a while. <laughs> But let me talk to him. I'll I'll work on him. But yeah, yeah. I think it would be really interesting to, to have him oh, sit down mate. and you ask him some questions. The amount of times I would go around his flat with like no intention of anything ever and we'd just spend like fourteen hours straight on like Gears of War horde mode. <laughs> yeah. It would be absolutely ridiculous. It's probably the like the least productive I've ever been in my entire life. But I just kept going back. I just something about it, and obviously Mark's a really nice person. Um, I wasn't just using him for his Wi-Fi. But um, yeah, he's just one of those people that just sort of goes with the flow. Um, there's a few times where I've seen the the other side of Mark, and he's gotten quite funny with me because mm. I don't think he takes kindly to sort of um, what's it called freeloaders, I suppose. But yeah, I've always like offered him fuel money and stuff when we've gone for like drives and stuff in the past. Mm. But yeah, I think um, when I first met him, I wasn't even taking driving lessons, so I can see why he thought sometimes that I was uh, taking the mic. Mm. Um, but there we go. We'll save that for another day. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. That'd be good if you can get him on. Yeah, well, we'll both work on him. But yeah, I think yeah. I think he would be. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. We'll grind him down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was good fun. Um, so you've made some notes. I've made some notes. Yeah, yeah. So, what are we listening to at the moment? Well, do you want me to go first, or you go first? Go for it, mate. Uh, well, you and I both share a deep love for Devon Townsend. Oh yes. Um, so that is ever present in my list of things that I listen to. Um, and I'm always listening to, to all of it, like the new stuff, the back catalogue, the strapping young lad, like everything. I just, I can't get enough of all of it. Um, the sort of the way that he's been on such a journey through his music, I find is, is wonderful because it means that no matter what mood I'm in, there's always an album that will fit exactly what I want or need at that moment. So, um, yeah, that's that's ever present. So I've been listening to a lot of that. The main one most recently being Empath, which we thought was this year, but is last year. 
Yeah. But um, I saw that, actually. I had the chance just before... Well, it was this time last year, so not long before the lockdown came in, I had a chance to go and see him perform it in Cardiff. Um, and it was really fantastic. Really, really decent gig. Um, so there's Devin. There's uh, Leprous I've been listening to. Is that a band you know? No, I think you've sent me some links and you've sent me some song names. So I don't uh, know too yeah. much about them. I first heard them... They were supporting Devi at a gig that I saw, and they blew yeah. me away. Um, again, Mark was raving about them, um, and he, I'm sure, knows a lot more. But he seemed to mention that I think they come from the sort of Nordic black metal scene, the original one, and then it's like sort of members of some of the original bands I heard Emperor possibly mentioned or Behemoth. I'm not sure which one. Someone's gonna shoot me, I'm sure, for saying <laughs> for saying that. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of where couple of members come from but they it's completely different sort of style and sound of music but it's really really melodic and quite sort of haunting stuff it's really good so yeah that's been that's been on my playlist um yeah after playing death stranding which was a game that i was looking forward to immensely um that really put a lot of emphasis on its soundtrack um and an artist that's used throughout that whole game is a guy called Low Raw, who I think I think is American, um, but it, I think Kojima, when he was making it, sort of got really into him himself, and then used so much of it in the game. And it just, I think that comes through in the way that the the game is sort of almost fits the atmospheric feeling of the music. I think the music came first, and then he's kind of added the game, sort of as a sort of tribute to it. Um, yeah. But that has both then reminded me of the great sort of fun I've had playing the game as well as being quite sort of chill and atmospheric in itself so I've enjoyed that that's for my sort of chill out and then other than that it's just been audiobooks and podcasts of which there are many and I don't want to start dropping stuff on your podcast because that's not what oh, it's mate, about do it. But... <laughs> do it. Do it. uh there's a great podcast called Cheat it's Show that I listen to yeah which is I remember did you say there was some you mentioned some YouTubers before, but Cheap Show is kind of a, a couple of YouTubers who I've been interested in before who've got this this show that they do on um, on a podcast. Uh, they do it weekly, and it's just two of them talking rubbish to each other. It's a bit surreal. It gets a little bit wild, um, yeah. uh, sort of surreal comedy stuff, a lot of toilet humour. But um, essentially the premise is that they go and buy cheap stuff and then talk about it or cheap snacks and eat them and talk about them. So it's, um, yeah, yeah. it's entertaining. Um, and then audiobooks, just, yeah, anything I can get my hands on, really, that's that's long enough to, to worthy the, the the cost of a credit on, on Audible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I don't mind people talking about um, podcasts. I want to get some people on next year that are doing their own podcasts so I can sort of network with them and join forces with them and collab mm. and stuff like that. Oh, that'd um, be good, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good avenue, and then I won't run out of guests either, which genuinely terrifies me at this point because I've pretty much exhausted my entire friends list. Um, so yeah, podcasts that I'm listening to just off the back of that, uh, Sweet Boys. What's that one? Which is the most incoherent podcast you'll ever listen to in your life. So. If you know Shane Dawson from YouTube, he's a bit of a household name. It's his old videographer 
videographer, whatever the word is, which is Andrew Swistiki. Okay. And Garrett Watts, who's also a previous friend of Shane Dawson. Apparently there's some drama at the moment with them, but I don't really know much about that. Um, and honestly, mate, they are the most... They, they just can't even finish a sentence. They're so distracted <laughs> by their own thoughts. And they do like these hilarious like soundscape meditation things. And uh, the last episode, they tried to do like a haunted meditation session for the people listening. Right. And it's just the weirdest thing. And it, it's so like fascinating because one of them will start talking about something and then like someone will hear like a creak in like the studio that they're in which i think is one of their houses right it will just completely go off for like 15 minutes and then they'll never actually get back to what they were talking about initially (laughs) and honestly it sounds awful from the way that i'm sort of plugging it but it is just such a weird experience because it's like i've watched these two people on youtube for quite a long period of time but you can tell that they're genuinely friends, first of all. And you can tell that they're just being completely genuine. Yeah. And I think podcasts are a really good sort of window into the soul of the creator. Because hmm. a lot of people on YouTube, they do their 15 minutes a week. They edit the absolute hell out of their videos. And they, like, you know, slag people off and bitch about each other and tell each other. like They write diss tracks and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> Whereas a podcast is like a two-hour long-form, unedited piece of content. And I think that's, you know, people like that. Um, another one I listen to all the time is Waffling by Joe Weller. Okay. Um, that's kind of like an audio version of The Inbetweeners. Because it's him and his two mates, and they're just like the most like... Uh, I don't like using the word banter, but it's probably the best word to describe them. Um and the last one I listen to all the time in the car, to the point now I'm not even listening to music in the car anymore. I'm just podcasting. Um, Jack Mates Happy Hour. And I think recently they did like a 12 Days of Christmas, 12 Podcasts of Christmas. And they got a guy from a Gillette Soccer Saturday. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Let me just quickly find his name. I haven't heard any of these podcasts you've mentioned. These are all news to me, so I'll have to check a couple of those out. That Sweet Boys one sounds well. Yes, the way you describe it, almost similar to the yeah. Cheap Show stuff. So I might have to, I might have to yeah. check that one out. Check them out. Um, Chris Kamara from Soccer Saturday. Oh yeah, I think he's known as Cammy, um, and he like reads out the football scores, and he's got this like ridiculous like headset on all the time. Yeah. Yeah, he's just already like you can tell by his voice who he is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until this afternoon that he um he's actually started singing Christmas songs. <laughs> so it's just funny what uh, people do when uh, they get offered the opportunity, isn't it? <laughs> um, music. I'm with you on Devon Townsend. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been a culmination of you and other people, but. Russian Circles. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of those bands that I've just never, ever been able to, like, shy away from. And they've always been, like, uploading, like, recording an album a year pretty consistently. 
Um, you can tell it's them, but it's always a different version of them, and I, I really appreciate that. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I've been listening to Youngblood a lot lately as well. Yeah, so since you mentioned him a couple of days ago, because I've heard him, I mean, I think I've heard about his name for a few years, but it's only kind of, well, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I may be wrong, but I feel like it's only recently it's kind of become proper mainstream. I think they now have a, a like a session, of, or they put part of his podcast out on Radio 1 now or something. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't really listened to anything by Youngblood um, until you were talking about it. And so I went away and had a listen. And actually, yeah, I, I can I can dig that. What I what I quite liked about him was the whole sort of um, uh, like transgender bend look of a few of his kind of videos and his image and stuff, which is also like like a, he's punk rock, but like punk rock for now rather than punk yeah, rock yeah. as it was like fifteen yeah. years ago when we first kind of in, got into it. And I know it's been around a lot longer than that, but it's it, he's yeah. doing his own thing with it, which is really cool. So yeah, yeah, and like a lot of his music's very similar, like sounding. Mm. But hell that he goes into that studio and he's like, right, I want to write a punk song. I want to write a pop song. Now I want to write a grunge song. Mm. I want to write a song about how much of a self-deprecating person I am. And he absolutely nails it. The most recent album he's done is kind of, it's hard to explain. I feel that he's gone on a journey with the album and it's always remained coherent with the theme, which is the album's called Weird and it's about how we've all got different personalities and there's nothing we can really do about it. Hmm. I listen to his older stuff and it still sounds like him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'd do very well in like a band. He's always been like a solo artist. That He's done so many like collabs. He's done collabs with Marshmallow, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, Machine Gun Kelly, Imagine Dragons. Dan from Imagine Dragons, a singer. Mm. One of the best songs I heard, which was a song called Original Me. Okay. Um, and that's definitely worth checking out if you haven't checked that out already. I haven't heard that one yet, no. It's quite rare that I'll talk about trending topics in this podcast, because I, I don't like the feeling that I'm sort of just riding a wave for the sake of it. But I do genuinely think that Youngblood is off to a very, very good start, considering this is his second album. Mm-hmm. And you can tell genuinely that he really likes his fans. And like some of the stuff he says when he's like playing live, he's like, I don't give a fuck if any of you <laughs> been bullied at school. And that's probably the worst accent you'll ever hear in your life. You, you get the point. I'd like to say it's accurate. I mean, it's close. It's not far. But um, yeah, I think the other thing I liked about him is that it just kind of showed, proved to me that the, the whole like edgy emo thing has, has never died, which is I was kind of a bit sad that that went away. Um, I know I, I never really like got into it directly myself, but a lot of the bands that came about from that, like in My Chemical Romance and... 30 seconds to Mars and all that sort of stuff. They were always really decent. And I feel like he's kind of, he's almost sort of into that, but I mean, bringing it up to date, it's quite, yeah. it's quite good. And there's, yeah, it's obviously, it's a generational thing, isn't it? Like every, every group of kids, you know, coming of age, are going to feel like they're, you know, on the outcast and, yeah. and, and, you know, worthless at times or, you know, yeah. needing some of that kind of like, Rather than the music that's that's all about uplifting, something that just like points a finger at what you are and, and shouts about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like celebrating the fact that you're a black sheep. Yeah. Like, deep down, we're all black sheep, and we're all just trying to get through this weird thing that's life. And yeah. we've just got to try and navigate it as best as what we think, really. Yeah. No, I was I was impressed, I would say. <laughs> yeah. No, he's good. He's worth checking out. If uh, if you haven't already, you probably have, because he's everywhere at the moment. But, um, I'd recommend Ice Cream Man. And my favourite song on the album by far, which is only two minutes long, is Super Dead Friends. I think that song is absolutely brilliant, and it really genuinely reminds me of the Beastie Boys when they were at their heyday. <laughs> Definitely worth checking out. Um, other music. Other music. <sighs> what am I listening to? The uh, Beartooth. It's just Beartooth. I, I'm a bit of a creature of habit. And I can't stop listening to that disgusting album. That's literally what the album's called, Disgusting. <laughs> um, my favourite songs on the album are Manipulation and um, Bad Listener. And uh, it's not often I get my bass out nowadays, but I've learned those straight away. And nice. um, they're kind of like a heavy version of Foo Fighters, that their songs aren't that difficult. Um, which is always good because there's nothing worse than like picking up your bass and then immediately putting it back down because the tabs are like insane, like binary sort of <laughs> like the matrix, you know, watching all the, the screen. It just puts you off straight away. Recipes for sushi, wouldn't it? I've heard on the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else am I listening to? I don't think I'm listening to much else at the moment. We'll, we'll leave that there. I think that's enough, really. Cool. Um, podcasts. I think I've got a couple of podcasts that I'm listening to as well. Um, Louis Farouk's Grounded. Hmm. If you've checked any of that out. No, I saw that he'd redone something on... He did some stuff on the BBC where he basically revisited... Um, during lockdown, like revisited documentaries he'd previously done and was video calling people after the fact and sort of talking yeah. through his his sort of boxes full of notes and memoirs of how he'd kind of planned and gone about some of his documentaries and that was really interesting. But I didn't I didn't know he had a podcast. I'd not listened to listen to any of that. Yeah. So the one that got me interested in that was um KSI. Ah uh, yes. I'm a real big fan of YouTube. Um, a lot of my free time is dedicated to watching quite a lot of these YouTube people like the Sidemen, KSI, uh, PewDiePie, all that sort of stuff, Jackmate, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just about like how KSI, if if you say to someone like that, you can't do this and you'll never be able to do it, they'll just do it. They mm. don't care what it takes. They want to prove you wrong. And I've got um, a funny story about KSI. Yeah. Go on. Well, I say it's funny. It's, it's funny to me. Um, uh, well, we had... So I'm going to try and dance around this because it's sort of work-related, but without talking about work. But um, we had a, a situation where um, up near where I used to live, loads and loads and loads of, of kids just started showing up at at this sort of walled-in private house. And nobody could work out why. And it was sort of mid-afternoon and they were like stopping traffic and all trying to like climb the walls. And it, it was just yeah. out of nowhere. Um, and about an hour later, after secu- like loads of security had turned up and started ejecting all these kids who climbed the walls from the premises, it turned out KSI was in there. And, right. and nobody knew who KSI was. 
except for all these like 150 kids who turned up <laughs> and were just crawling all over the seaside town trying to get in. It was very surreal. And I, I just happened to know who he was. So when everyone else around me was saying like, what on earth is going on? I was like, you're lucky there aren't like 100,000 kids down here, to be honest. <laughs> they um, they talk about that. There was a Jack Mate happy hour with Jack Whitehall. Yeah. And um, he did a video with the Sidemen, which is fronted primarily by KSI and six of his mates. Mm. Um, they've all got their own YouTube channels and it's like a sort of amalgamation. It's basically a friendship that's become demonetized, not demonetized, sorry, monetized to a point where like, KSI must get a pretty decent wedge out of those videos because they upload every Sunday. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a video at a school. Um, and as they were calling it a day, wrapping up on the set or whatever it was, they um, they walked out and an entire school, this is like 3.15, the classic, when everyone you know leaves school. Yeah there was literally like a stampede of kids like running towards these people. <laughs> and Jack Whitehall was like, they turned an entire school feral. Like just being, yeah. they didn't even like say anything to them. Yeah. And that's what this was like. I feel like it's, it's it, what was weird about it is that like in the years ago and the people who were kind of around and not understanding it were like, well, if they're that famous, why, why, you know, why have I never heard of them? Like if it was the Beatles, everyone would know and you'd get all of that, like the same kind of behavior. But it's the fact that they're sort of almost like guerrilla fame because it's like restricted to a platform that's, that's generational in its use. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bit just very weird, very surreal. (laughs) I I always think with YouTube, I'll, I'll move on in a minute, but, um, you are literally filming like your entire life mm-hmm. and anyone can watch it. You're really genuinely putting yourself out there. Um, you know, if you go on holiday with your wife, like three years ago, anyone can watch that video. And I just think that's, that's quite scary really. Mm. Um, and you can watch, like you could go on KSI's channel right now change the date of the video from newest to oldest and you could watch his first ever FIFA video like 12 years ago mm. and that's such a new level of on demand like it used to be like when I'd wake up on Saturday morning when I was like two or three years old I'd watch whatever was put in front of me yeah and that was it that, that was it I four channels that. five if you were lucky You'd have to physically get up and change a channel, which was mm. enough to deter people from turning top of the pops off and that sort of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it's just this whole like, and it's all available at the drop of a button on our phones. You know, it's crazy, crazy world. But mm. people seem to love it. So more power to them. So, mm. Andy, what's the best gig you've ever been to? Oh, but right. So this question gave me um well to begin with i was at a loss to 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 decide on any gig that i could kind of single out um and then i settled on one which is the first one on 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 my list um and then as soon as i wrote that one down i basically came up with a, a bunch of others and then couldn't yeah. decide so i i will i will stick with the one that i had first because i think it's probably the one that um 
had the most impact on me in terms of just how how much anticipation I had for the gig that then completely paid off in how it was delivered. Um, and that would be Nightwish. Um, I saw them in the London Astoria as it was. I think that's gone now to yeah. something else. Um, yeah. Flats or something probably. But that was, yeah, back in 2006. I think they just released or were just touring the Once album. Um, and I'd been religiously listening to to that and their previous album, Century Child, which is still my favourite Nightwish album now is Century Child. Um, and yeah, that was like kind of Nightwish was my first real love in terms of like any sort of metal band of any sort of genre close to that sort of thing. Prior to that, I just didn't really, I think I might have bought like an Offspring album. And yeah. then I think Nightwish was like my second album I ever bought. So, um, yeah, I had huge hopes. I've never seen them live. I've been to like hardly any gigs of anything by that point. No festivals. Um, yeah. And I remember going there and wanting to be there super early and like queuing up outside and just waiting. I was there for like six hours waiting to get in just so I could be near the front. And it purely delivered. Like the sound quality was amazing. It was one of those gigs where it's better than the album and you're there in person and everyone was on the money and it all just, yeah. I'm sure some of it is my rose-tinted hindsight, but even at the time I came out and I was just like buzzing from from how how awesome it was. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely, definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a really good gig. I, I have got some others that I can go for yeah. if you want. And yeah, let's go do the one, one more. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that's <laughs> uh, we've got. I'm just. We've got to mention Dave McPherson because uh, I was going to say I need to do on, that. Yeah, wait, that messed me up. I know. So Dave McPherson. Lead singer or one of the yeah. lead singers of um, of Inmate, and I know you were really into them back back at the time when all this happened. Um, yeah. And and actually, by mentioning Dave, I can mention one of my other top gigs. So that I I first saw Dave McPherson live at the Devon Townsend Unplugged at a pub in Southampton because he was the support act playing his own stuff Unplugged ahead of Devi. Yeah. Um, and it was because I'd seen him live then that when my wife and I got married. We were, <laughs> we we emailed Devi. We did like genuinely. I like I basically we wanted some music, and I asked like around locally in Weymouth, and it was like six hundred pound plus to get like a disco or a band of some sort. And I was yeah. like, I just don't have the money for that. We were on a proper tight budget, so yeah. I just emailed Devi on the off chance, being like, I'm a massive fan. Will you come and play at my wedding? And some lovely person in his management team emailed back and gave me. A really nice response as to why he was far too busy to fly over from Canada with his band to play at my <laughs> wedding. Um, but then, but then my wife yeah. was like, "Well, why don't we just, why don't we ask Dave? Like, we we saw him at the Unplugged gig. He was really cool. You know, he's in, you know, he's someone else famous, and maybe he'll do it. And you know, you never know. So uh, we just emailed him and said, "Would you be up for it?" And I think he emailed back and was just like, "Yeah, uh, where is it when three hundred pound and that's it." And I was like, Jesus, that's like half the cost of a disco. Yeah. <laughs> and just bit his hand off. And um, yeah. I think he, 
he it was something he did i just didn't really i wasn't aware of it but it was something he already did was just like to, to kind of make money on the side is he would just go and play people's weddings or events and stuff and i think generally he was asked to do covers so he did a lot of covers yeah. and he was he seemed quite surprised when my wife and i went back to him and said well yeah can you like because he was going to do like two sort of hour long chunks of, of time i think throughout the the day and all the evening and uh we asked him to do one chunk of covers and one chunk of his own stuff and he was yeah. like you sure you sure you want me to do my own stuff and we were like hell yeah, yeah it's yeah, awesome yeah. um and then i remember on the night like i mean he played and it was brilliant and everyone loved it and then i just remember him like he came and like bought me drinks at the bar and was like yeah. just you know being just a really nice dude and was just genuinely happy to be at the wedding like he was just yeah, it was like, yeah. it was very surreal, like you said. But um, yeah, he was just a, he was a really nice guest and yeah. played some amazing music. And he's also also obviously really talented and yeah. brilliant musician yeah. as well. So he's one of those people that just thrives in like crowds. Yeah, and he just likes being involved in stuff. Um, and you'll always get the nice version of him. I don't yeah. think. I genuinely don't think there is a bad version of him. Um, you remember the scene in Terminator 2 where Sarah Connor sees Terminator? Yeah. For the first time, and she like pretty much falls to the floor. <laughs> that was me in the reception at the hotel. <laughs> I was just like, this is either the biggest fucking coincidence ever. <laughs> and Dave McPherson's just randomly come to Dorchester and checked into this hotel. <laughs> Or D and the Anne of proper, like I, I, I like I, I don't want to say deception, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, how the hell have they kept this quiet? <laughs> and I felt like it was my own wedding that day. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I owe you. No, you don't. You don't know. But it was, it was, yeah, it was a great night for all of us, I think. And yeah, um, sure. yeah, and I know from just talking to Dave on the night, I know he had a great time. Like, and as soon as he finished playing, he just, he just got absolutely lathered at the bar yeah. and was just hanging out. He was like, I think he went outside and was like, yeah. just chilling out with Ed for like half an hour, just chatting to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Person. I remember yeah. him saying to me like, oh, "I've got rehearsal tomorrow up in Essex." And I've yeah. just come to me yeah. by the white. Yeah, I remember He's that. He's just one yeah. of those like music people that just goes around like just doing whatever he wants to do because it's fun and money is like second or third to him, really. He's a creator. That's yeah. definitely what he is. He's he loves just yeah. Busy. Yeah. He loves having like a full schedule. Mm. And I think he'll do whatever he wants on his terms if he wants a month off. Like he'll take a month off, um, but yeah, he he's been in loads of bands other than in me. Yeah, um, sentiment solo stuff. Yeah, just played with like Charlie Simpson quite a lot. Jamie Ledman from Reuben. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Devon Townsend. Yeah, but yeah, it's cool to see that these people still exist. That like music is genuinely their life. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that luxury, and you know, I think sometimes they have to pinch themselves and remind themselves that there is, this is their life. You know, hmm. there are a lot of people out there that do their really crap jobs and just about scrape through, and they're able to do whatever they want within reason, obviously. Hmm. 
but yeah, he's just a really cool guy, and I was uh, I was very very shocked. <laughs> and uh, I got to watch my best one of my best mates get married. So that was a bonus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so we're going to get a bit negative now. Okay, let's do it. What was the worst gig you've ever been to? Oh Jesus Christ! Well, so this gave me a problem for another reason, which is that I have to say, and this is probably just a testament to the the quality of how much the performers and the bands that I've been to see really put into their work is that I've never really been to anything that was really terrible. Nothing I've chosen to be at anyway. So the, the my choice for this is actually a gig that I worked when I was working for a, a security stewarding sort of company. Yeah. Uh, and I had to work a gig for the Ting Tings in Leeds and it was awful. It was, yeah. it was genuinely the worst thing I've ever been to. Um, yeah. So, so that would that would be it. I don't think there's anything else that comes even close to that. Yeah. <laughs> what was bad about it? Oh, just the sound setup was awful. The crowd were just obnoxious. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember now the the single that they had that was like huge at the time. But they'd had like one song that was massive, and then I think did like a follow up that wasn't quite as big. But but then. It was literally kind of within the six months that they sort of rocketed up the charts at some point. So all of the uni students in Leeds had gone to this gig to see them. And it was just, it was just awful. It was horrendous. Um, the support band they had, I think they had, uh, yeah, I remember it now actually. The, the support band were a group called Lady Hawk, who were actually really good. <laughs> and I remember enjoying listening to them. And then the Ting Tings came on and I just swapped places with somebody who was working the front door and went and stood outside because I couldn't bear listening to it. It was awful. <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit this, but the two songs you're referring to, and this is literally off the top of my head. Oh, God. Go on. Shut up and let me go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not my name. Uh, yeah. If you remember those. I do well. I do now. I think that was, um, yeah. I don't know whether they led with them or finished with them. Yeah. I don't really know. I tried my best not to listen to as much of it as possible. But it, yeah, that yeah. was that was definitely the worst gig. They probably opened with one and finished with one, and the rest of it was just incoherent <laughs> shit. Um, Radio One probably loved it and said they were the best band in 2018 or whatever the fuck. But mm. yeah, I think. I hate to make you feel old, but I think this was like 2009, 2010. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder whether they're still going. I don't even know. I'm not that bothered enough to uh, Google it, to be fair. No. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, one-hit wonders are always going to be a thing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I, I did have a think about other gigs that I'd chosen to be at that were bad. And I think the only other one I could think of was when I saw Metallica at Download and the, the sound was awful. But I think that was more to do with the weather and how windy it was whipping the sound away than, than anything that they could have actually had control over. Yeah. But it was bad enough that I just packed up and went home. It was like halfway through the Sunday and I was like, no, I'm not staying for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. I think the worst band I ever saw, I don't think I've mentioned this so far. Um, uh, this is weird because I watched Joan Jett, Motorhead and Alice Cooper in one gig. Wow. Alice Cooper was awful. Oh, no. And I think if I watched Alice Cooper by himself, he would have been incredible and I would have been singing his praises. But 
when you get absolutely gobsmacked by someone like Joan Jett, and then mm. you get completely dead. Welcome back. Hello. Is that any better? Uh, it seems so, so far. Nice, nice. What was I talking about? Talking about Alice Cooper. So, yeah, it cut off in my ears at the point where you were saying Alice Cooper was terrible, especially when you'd just been smashed by Joan Jett and then you'd had, and then I think you, you were about to say something about Motorhead and it yeah. cut off. Okay. So, yeah, I was completely deaf, basically. So I think... <laughs> If like Queen had got up on stage and played a set, then I probably wouldn't have appreciated it. It would have been that level with a. Uh... Was it yeah, Motorhead I... with Lemmy? That's what I wanted yeah, to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Was there a Motorhead without Lemmy? I don't know. I don't know if they Was carried Lemmy? on trying to do some gigging afterwards. I don't know if, if that would be possible, but. No, I think Phil Campbell does a solo project. Right, okay. I saw them at Teddy Rocks. They were quite good, actually. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I never got a chance to see them before he died, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I bet that was quite something. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, they were one of my sort of breakout bands that I'd um, experienced quite early on. And I knew that I wanted to watch them. Hmm. So to watch them in the flesh was cool. Um, but yeah, Alice Cooper, like, he's just, I don't know. He's a very good sort of leader and a front man. But um, at the end of the set, he hung himself right. and chopped his own head off. Right. And I was just a bit like, what the hell was that all about? I, um, I think I've never seen Alice Cooper, but I think from stuff I've read and seen about him, that's like that's original Alice Cooper. Like he's yeah. he's been that kind of showman from the start. And that was kind of what was original about him at the beginning. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I think um, when he first started out and he like broke through, he was his own support band. <laughs> so I think um, he was kind of just on the wrong bill, really. I don't think he was a bad musician or anything like that. But um, I was kind of done at that point. I was quite drained. I think we went to Brixton Academy to watch these three bands. Yeah, and I wanted to get the train and make sure that we got the last train home and all that sort of stuff. So it's probably unfair for me to say it was the worst band I've ever seen, but it really does stick out in my head because mm. I I really did anticipate him to be incredible and he just wasn't. Um, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just one of those things, I suppose. Yeah, but if I could watch Motorhead again, I would absolutely mm. love Lemmy. Everything he's done has been absolutely fantastic. And he genuinely seems like someone that, like, I've watched the documentary and I've started listening to a podcast actually called Motorcast. Right. Um, and that's a guy, like, going through the motions, talking to journalists and editors and artists and relation people. And everyone says the same thing about Lemmy, which is, like, what you see is what you get. Yeah. And I think for enough people to say that, it has to be true like there was no inconsistencies in any of like what they were saying about him and the fact that he was like always playing slot machines and all that sort of stuff um and he lived above was it the rainbow bar and grill or something like that yeah but yeah he genuinely just seemed like he was just living his life as best as he could 
So fair play to him. But, um, right now, I want to uh, go into a bit of Ozark. Mm, let's do it. Are you ready? I'm. I'm ready. So we've got some notes written down. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through mine because we had like top three moments, didn't we, in season three? I would like to. Well, season one, I think we're not skipping Sorry, right to yeah. the end, are we? Um, no, but no. <laughs> I do remember, and I'd just like to point out that the only reason I ended up watching any Ozark is because you badgered me for about uh, six months telling me how awesome it was. And then every time I spoke to you, were like, have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? Yeah. <laughs> and eventually I sat down and watched the first couple of episodes and then I was hooked and that was it. And I ended up yeah. just watching them all. And that is the kind of thing it is. There's definitely yeah. a moment, and it's one of the moments I've got, that there is a moment in like episode one that's either you're, you're in or you're out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, quite a binge-worthy show. Mm due to the nature of Netflix dropping everything in one go, I think that kind of lends itself quite nicely to the uh, the world that we live in at the moment, which is I'll just... Hello? Welcome back. Hello. We're having all sorts of issues, aren't we? <laughs> we won't let the beat us. I refuse. No, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. So, I was just about to go through my top three moments, if that was all right. Yeah, do it. So, <laughs> first one was just the sheer brutality of their situation, which I think is in episode five. Yeah. Uh, where Marty finishes laundering eight million. Again, because the money was already clean, but he wanted to, um, Dell wanted to see if he could do it, hmm. which is insane, really. Like, <laughs> how do you launder $8 million when you've just moved from a city to a suburb area? Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty ridiculous ask, considering you've got no way of laundering it immediately. Hmm. Um, and obviously that came, you know, to the point where he wanted a casino, a riverboat casino and all that sort of stuff. But it was just, um, I think it was the end of episode five where Wendy announced that she'd bought a funeral home. Yeah. Um, and they were kind of sitting pretty for a second and they were both drinking whiskey. Hmm. Um, and they just done it on the carpet because they ordered a ridiculous amount of carpet, didn't they? Yeah. And then the next morning... Right, so, yeah, so the Mexican guy shows up with a truck full of cash. It's like 50 million in cash with some towels on top of the boxes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's just basically what they've just done. They have to do it times eight, which is just like, you know, I've kind of, 
I'm going to run out of businesses to. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So pretty suspicious at this point that uh, I'm changing the carpet in the house every week. <laughs> start looking a bit dodgy, isn't it? Is it just after that when they get the whole family involved in like sealing it up in the walls of the cabin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's the... like where the where the hell are you going to put all this money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then she finds out, doesn't she, and starts um, taking some of it. Oh yeah, yeah. That leads yeah. down a whole another whole another rabbit hole. Yeah, it does. Um, episode eight was my second favorite uh, moment, which was a episode called Kaleidoscope, mm. and it kind of backtracks and talks about how Marty had met Dell for the first time, and how he ended up working for the cartel, and he wasn't sort of forced into it. He decided that he wanted to do it. He yeah. weighed up with his wife he went through some pros and cons obviously the cons being it's incredibly illegal and the fact that he's working for a cartel can obviously protect him but it can also be the end of him quite quickly because they work outside of the law yeah and they showed that he knew that like really yeah. crystal clear because they yeah for you know the consequences he, he witnessed himself for some other people yeah Hello. Hey, Ben. So we flipped because uh, Anchor's <laughs> playing up on my phone by the sounds of it. So Welcome apologies. to the Andy Branch podcast. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So yeah, I think I think you might you might be right about Dell. Like he might just go after Marty anyway because he kind of led him down a path of like you said you'd do it and now you're not going to do it. Like I'm just going to kill you. They're, they're just ruthless, aren't they? That's the message you get from the cartel from like end to end. They just, yeah, yeah. It's about protecting the interests of, of number one who's at the top of that tree, and then yeah, yeah everyone else kind of just has to fall in line. And I and think it would have been too big a risk to leave him as a loose end. So yeah, I think um, the fact that Marty um, saw the last person that tried to launder the money who failed. Um, get his eyes gouged out in front of him sort of uh... it's a bit too late at that point though isn't it really yeah well yeah no you're right they, they, they give the impression that he goes in you know willingly but actually by yeah. the time that happens what choice does he have to actually leave well I've got to agree, disagree there because there was a point where Dell phoned him up on the hotel landline or whatever it was in the hotel room and he invited him down to a bar chat and marty was like you've just paid 150 dollars for a glass of brandy and mm. marty actually said no at that point and dell mm. was like no i respect you like you're trying to provide for your family and i respect you and uh then he kind of went back on it but do you think dell would have actually let him because he, he knew too much by that point anyway. And knowing sure. how the rest of that lot actually operated, was that a true kind of... Yeah. Because he said no in the office, didn't he? Because um, Bruce was like, you're profiling. And he was like, I'm not profiling. This guy is not doing tiling. There's absolutely no way. 
his financial portfolio is like in the millions of dollars. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Cool. Right. So there's a guy at the um, house called Garcia who's part of the Mexican cartel and he's making sure that everything's running as it should. Uh, and then it looks like Wendy and the family, apart from Marty, are about to leave. Um, so he goes in the house to investigate, uh, finds yeah. out that Joan has got a gun, um, mm. and Buddy had ac- actually um, taken the bullets out of the gun, which he didn't realise. So Jonah goes to shoot Garcia, um, realises that the clip is empty, and then... Um, Garcia takes the gun off Jonah and starts swearing at him. And you think, oh my God, the family are boned now, basically. <laughs> They're going to die a uh, nightmare. Then you realize that Buddy's in the house. So he comes up with a shotgun and he says yeah. something very specific, which always gives me goosebumps, which is what kind of man talks like that to a child? And then he says to the family, go in your car, leave now. And about five seconds afterwards, there's this horrible, like, PTSD shell shock thing where you hear the gun go off and it takes out, like, half of the front room. Mm. And that scene for me was just like, this is fucking incredible. Um, <laughs> and then obviously, later on, Marty gets back to the house and there's a dead Mexican in this front room and everyone's fucking gone and it's just absolute chaos. And Buddy's outside going, it was the only way, it was the only way. So then he's got a lie to Dell about where's Garcia. And it's just like, oh my God, this is so like, at that point to me, I was like, they are fully outside of the law now. There's absolutely no way they can take a deal. They are literally vigilantes following their own code at this point. And yeah. I can watch that scene now. And I honestly, I nearly want to like jump up from the sofa and go fucking come on, buddy, you legend. It's just one of those <laughs> scenes of like you just think it's all fucked and it just redeems itself and sort of for me buddy was like a sort of celestial being he's like a mm. beam of light when ozark's such a dark show isn't it yeah but i think there's there's more than that isn't he because he's right from the beginning when you meet him you know he's living on borrowed time like he's yeah he's he's terminal isn't he so in that it's yeah. interesting you mention him as sort of a celestial being because he is sort of that one foot either side of that fence of sort of he's yeah. he's half alive but he's he's watching the clock and he knows he's on his way. Yeah, I think he's trying to redeem himself because I don't think yeah. he had a very um luscious past. They don't really go into that though, do they? You you get a little, don't you? But um yeah, yeah. they don't they don't lift the lid entirely. Yeah, it's quite vague. I don't think we ever find out mm. either. But anyway, mate. Let's go before Anchor decides to uh, poo itself again. <laughs> Let's Finally do it. So I haven't been as uh, as diligent as you and got episode details, but I know that my three moments are all from season one, so we're safe there. Cool. But um, the the key first bit for me that so when when you 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 said to me for a while I should watch Ozark, and I was just like, oh, there's so much to watch on Netflix. I, you know, yeah, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. Um, yeah. And I just didn't for ages, and then eventually I did watch it. And um, for me, there's there's a moment very early on. I think it might it is episode one, um, yes. with um, Marty driving along um, to go to uh, there's an address where he thinks he's going to find Wendy, um, 
and Wendy's boyfriend, uh, who she's been having an affair with, basically plummets from the top floor of the building and explodes on the pavement. Yeah, and that's sorry, kind of yeah. the, uh, for me, that again, a bit like that moment with um, the gun and buddy, like this, it, the show's really good at creating these sort of like, sort of tear everything down, throw you a real curveball, and then like sort of see how the characters deal with it. And that was kind of the first one of those. And it was also for you as a viewer, like, you're either in with the show both feet and you're watching it or that's kind of the moment you're going to check out yeah so um yeah for me that was that was a really cool bit um number two is meeting the snells um yeah. Yeah. The, i think they're, they're two of the best characters in the whole thing um i really enjoyed watching them and their relationship and and the way that they interact with the other characters and when yeah. you first meet them just seeing that sort of um you know, you've got that lovely sort of farmhouse and the southern drawl that they have and, like, hospitality and, and then just, like, murdering people left, right and centre. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Without batting an eyelid. Yeah. Um, all in the name of the family, which was which was quite cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And number three for me uh, was the decision that Ruth has to make where she, she takes that big call between... She's either with Marty or she's not, um, and sort of chooses her f- whether she's choosing her family or him, um, and what he's trying to do. Um, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it's like ultimately what she sees as being like the greater sort of wrongdoing that's happening. Like it's not just it's that decision between family loyalty and yeah. the fact that they're going to go and and do something that Marty doesn't deserve in her eyes. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, but when yeah, when she does yeah. the takes the action and rigs the dock um against their brothers, that's like obviously and then that has sort of um unfolds with, with issues for her as the the, uh, the series goes on. But yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting decision for her character to make. So yeah, I really I like that. That was like a real good example of how they developed her character so well because um there was a situation with um oh, what was his name? The the main male um uh what are they called ruth langmore What's yeah name? um oh <laughs> I, want, I, I know Wyatt. i know boyd yeah yeah but it's it's her dad and her other brother isn't it yeah so yeah he's like the main he's kind of like the conflict between him and ruth is quite ferocious sometimes isn't it yeah yeah um, there's there's a time um where ruth gets slapped by him and she then goes to the bird's house and um wendy says come into the house now because you know you've got a mark on your face um mm. and she says basically in like a cryptic term she says to ruth don't ever go down that road again you know, I, I yeah. keep coming across obstacles and this kind of thing's happened to me before where I'm being like abused and no one's sort of reaching out to me. So I'm going to be your your voice. And I think mm. like Ruth needed that where she like felt that she was genuinely in a family that wasn't like a bunch of hillbillies. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really going to bug me, the name of that guy now. I know Cade, I know um, Free. I, yeah, 
want to Google it, but I'm terrified that the uh, the Apple were. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I'm literally I'm staring yeah. at my phone halfway across the table from me. I don't want to touch it in case it all goes again. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Oh, no. Good luck. (laughs) Thanks. This is thrilling. List of Ozark characters. Oh, wow. There's quite a lot of uh, people in this. I was going to say, it's going to be a long list. Yeah, man. There's quite a few people in it. Russ. Russ Langmore. Oh, yeah. yeah. Russ Langmore. So yeah, like the way they develop Ruth as a character, because she swears every other word, doesn't she? Um, and she I does. Think yeah. The birds try and kind of humanize her and make her integral to their operation. Um, but they, they use yeah. they use what she has those rough edges of hers. They don't they don't get they they're not trying to get rid of them. They just no. want her to to use them the way that they need them to use them. Yeah. So they. they She's incredibly she's... smart. Yeah, yeah. She knows all about the, the ins and outs of the law. She knows what like probable causes and if you need a warrant to get to a certain part of you know a place and stuff like that. Uh, there was yeah. also a really good scene when they go to those toilets where they need yeah. like is it fifty k out of a suitcase in episode one. Yeah, they do. They well, I think it's more than that, isn't it? It's like one of the. It's not the whole lot, but they take like a bag of yeah. the money, don't they? Yeah, yeah. and, and then and Marty goes explains. To Marty explains the situation and basically said, "You're looking at like consistent, ruthless. Um, you're looking over each other's shoulders for the rest of your life, basically, because one of you is going to be an idiot and spend the money way too quickly." Um, yeah, and the only thing you'll be able to spend this money on is like gas and food for the rest of your life. You won't be able to spend like any of it on anything flashy because the IRS will come after you and they'll find out that it's drug money. And yeah. I really like the way that Marty breaks stuff like that down. I think that's very like prominent of his character to like explain things in like layman's terms to people. Uh, he's just, mm-hmm. I think Jason Bateman is an absolutely fantastic actor, and I haven't really experienced him before ozark but i've gone back and watched like zootropolis <laughs> horrible bosses <laughs> um a bit of arrested development see i was i was gonna say the reason i didn't dive straight into ozark is when i realized he was starring in it the only thing i've seen him in before is arrested development and yeah. i gave up on that because his character in that just annoyed me yeah yeah totally. uh, I couldn't, it was like one of those things I couldn't unsee it. So then I was like, oh God, do I want to start this new thing where I know that I already don't really buy into the, the yeah, chap yeah, who's yeah. doing the acting based on what I've seen him do before. But yeah. um, no, he, he's, it's, it's a very different character and he plays it very well. So yeah, no, he's, I totally got on board after, after the first episode. He's a fantastic character. And did you know he's also one of the directors? No, I didn't know that. They do that a lot on Netflix though, don't they? Yeah. I think that's like yeah, a lot of the sort of the star people in the yeah things become like the producers or the directors. Yeah, Kevin but... Spacey springs to mind with House of Cards. Well, the one I was thinking of was Brian Cranston with yeah. Netflix and the way that all unfolded. He became like producer of it by the end, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, at Netflix. Sorry, with um, I said with Netflix with um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Kevin and Vince Gilligan basically shared the role at one point. I think. Yeah, but yeah, fantastic show. Highly recommend it. Um, 
I would like at some point next year to talk about season two. Um, I will give people a chance to catch up though. And trust me when I say that this is an incredibly binge worthy show. I've gone through a whole season in a day. Um, that's, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. That's though. a confession. Yeah. Dear diary. <laughs> Ten episodes just constantly playing in the background. You know, it's bad when Netflix is asking you if you're still watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. All... Thank you very much. <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah, you reach out that guilty hand to press OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> keep it. going. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's enough about Ozark. Um, cool. Yeah, so there's a bit of an elephant in the room at the moment, and that's Christmas. So I got my tree. Yeah, I got some presents under the tree. I got some stuff that I'm not even going to lie to you, Andy. I'm going to be completely honest. I can't wrap presents to save my life. <laughs> I don't have the patience and everything I buy is in a weird shape which doesn't help um, yeah. I, I tell you what on the subject of weirdy shape I literally today so my one of my kids their birthday is coming up yeah um, right before Christmas of course. Um, so I wrapped up a bicycle today <laughs> and I've never wrapped any any kind of object with such 3D complexity as a bicycle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, it took me about three hours. It was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I'll send you a picture afterwards, but it, yeah, it's unbelievably difficult and challenging to do. Yeah. I should, in hindsight, have just got the roll of paper out, just like thrown it over it and just taped it at all the edges until it was just a big like yeah. bag of paper. But I didn't. I did that thing that you see in, on TV where you, you wrap every single bit of it so you yeah. can see the shape of exactly what it is. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how a two-year-old's going to unwrap it either. <laughs> I don't even know how that works, though, because if you've wrapped it perfectly, they're going to know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, what, paradox. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. It was it was a, a huge, huge amount of time invested today, and I'm not sure it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. I bought the rats. Uh, I've got four rats, by the way. I don't know if I've ever actually mentioned that on the podcast. Um, I bought them some crocodiles today. So they're like dog treats, but it turns out nice. the rats can eat them, and they absolutely love them. Um, but <laughs> we've got to the point now where these rats are about a year old and we've had to um, buy one each, obviously. But you have to give all of them, the rats, um, the crocodiles one at a time. Mm. I was speaking to my girlfriend earlier and I said, shall I wrap them? And she was just like, no, <laughs> just give them them. And uh, <laughs> they've already gone to town on most of them because they're like chew toys. So we've actually nice. decided that we're going to take them out for the time being because I had to clean them out earlier. But yeah, it's like yeah, fair enough. When you wrap stuff, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? Like I, I personally, I don't think I'll ever fully get it, really, because um, it's so infrequent. No. Like I always say to my friends, I there's three things that I'm really bad at: wrapping presents, apparently remembering things, um, <laughs> putting tents up. That was one of my things as well. I can't put te- cooking is my third one actually. I'm not good at cooking, but I want to learn how to get good at cooking because that's quite a frequent thing. But when I'm doing things that are infrequent, I have to kind of learn how to do them again, if that makes sense. I can't just pick up where I left off. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. So wrapping presents happens like three times a year for me. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah but yeah that's that's me anyway so i wanted to ask you what does christmas mean to you obviously you've got kids so i'm gonna say that's that probably your answer as it is mine yes yeah i mean i suppose my kids um are fairly young so i'm only just starting to get the experience of of enjoying them being excited for it that's only just starting to happen now i think this year yeah so yeah before that christmas was always just yeah time for family yeah and time for for seeing friends and things like that but now with kids yeah yeah it's um it's well this is why i spent three hours today wrapping a bicycle you know (laughs) i could have watched watched lord of the rings (laughs) that's commitment well done yeah but that's yeah so it's good it's got to be the kids and i'm guessing yeah your yours is what it's all about as well so. yeah my little boy Not yeah seven now he's seven but yeah um i've always you know had him equally um yeah i can have him i'll usually have him um we share obviously responsibilities but yeah just seeing his face in the morning light up and just um you know spoiling them really i suppose in a way um Mm. i've gotten a bit more sort of savvy lately with like finances and i've decided that i'm not gonna like completely skint myself by doing so but um yeah just seeing their faces you know obviously some of the presents are from santa some of them are from me some of them are from my girlfriend etc etc um but yeah it's just um seeing their little faces light up and just eating so much food that you think you're going to have a heart attack that's what it's all about <laughs> uh, yeah definitely i've i've definitely i've also yeah um over the last couple of years got more, less into kind of prepping all of the christmas meal myself like i went through a phase of christmas dinner it had to be like i would get everything and i would do it all and i'd spend hours in the kitchen yeah and i guess since the kids have been around and we've done more stuff with them on christmas yeah. it's now just get the stuff that's like ready done just shove it in the oven get it out when it's ready like that's more of the christmas for me because ultimately i mean for me it doesn't taste that much different i'm not that great a cook for yeah. the christmas dinner so it's, it kind of all tastes the same at the end of it anyway yeah yeah definitely yeah i think like i was about to say um i don't know about you but christmas to me sometimes you you obviously get up early in the morning you open your presents for me as a kid there was like this weird sort of seven hour gap um (laughs) where you could basically do whatever you wanted because it was christmas a lot of that time was obviously setting up your new console you know unwrapping your bike going out for a bike ride um yeah. yeah, it's a weird time of year sometimes because there's no structure, if that makes sense. I think that's part of what people say is the magic of Christmas, though, isn't it? Is it like it is that day that's different from all others where you are, you are. nobody yeah. has got those priorities to go and be anywhere else yeah. or do anything else? Like you're just you're there in this yeah, sort of yeah, little yeah. timeless bubble for a day. No work, no school, just chill out and enjoy your time with your family yeah. and then get drunk and have the argument that everyone loves. <laughs> maybe that's just my christmas but yeah i'm curious i think uh, that's the most christmas curious to uh pass this question off to the, to the community today is the 21st of december so there's not an awful lot of time left but um i'd quite like to sort of get people involved in this really because i think a lot of people have different versions of what they consider christmas 
Mm. I do need in the new year. I'm going to have some sort of presence so that people can comment and stuff like that. Because uh, Spotify and Anchor isn't the best for that. But um, yeah, I'm going to try and work on that. But uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram if you uh, if you want to add to it, and I'll mention you in the next podcast. But yeah, for me, um, it's all about togetherness. It's all about sort of, you know, rounding up the year and explaining, you know, this is what I did well this year. This is what I could have done better. Um, let's go out next year and smash it, which obviously this year has not been the best, mm. <laughs> as we know. Um, <laughs> I've told uh, my son that um, Santa has magic powers and he doesn't get COVID. Um because kids are incredibly investigative about Santa, aren't they? Yeah. Well, mine aren't yet, really. They're just accepting. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping not to have any conversation about COVID and yeah. Father Christmas with them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think they'll just take it as read that he's somehow magical and he just does things. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> he's too busy working hard to get the virus. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to uh, end this one with the best present you've ever had in your life. I've given you a bit of time, obviously, pre-recording to think about this. I'm curious. I didn't need a bit of time. I've, <laughs> I've definitely got a present that stands out in my head. I can't remember exactly how old I was, probably about eight or nine. Yeah. But I got the Sega lock-on for Christmas. Okay. Is that, do you know what that is? No. Okay. So some people will remember this, and I think those who do it will be like, Yes, like fist pump in the air. But um, Sega Lock-On was a two-player um, laser tag game, basically. Okay. Uh, and what you got was this this enormous box with all the retro artwork on it came and it had these blue headsets that you had to wear with like an eyepiece that went over your eye and it would project how many lives you had left into the eyepiece Okay. from above, kind of read your lives. And then you had this blue gun that was like a laser type gun that um would constantly beep while you were playing it so you had to listen out for the other person um and you could hear where they were using the beep from the gun yeah and then you'd have to shoot each other and the sensor was on your head so it was all about running around the house with your hand over your forehead to stop anyone else getting you trying to find the other person to shoot them before lives run out but it was it was awesome had a lot of fun in the house outside playing with it just like and I remember just being so absolutely thrilled to have got that present and the, the hours of fun I had playing with friends and yeah. with my sister. It was just, yeah, it was, definitely an amazing gift. And it was made by Sega. Yeah, Sega Lock-On, it's cool. That's funny because uh, the uh, the answer to the question that I've asked you, best Christmas present you've ever had, is a Sega ne- Mega Drive. Oh, really? And, um, I can't remember <laughs> the Lock-On. No. So, uh, yeah, small world, but... Um, different parts of the world apparently but yeah i remember waking up um i've got two actually i'm going to go into the other one because uh the other one turns into a bit of a a funny one i think the uh the mega drive came with sonic um it came with a few other games but i can't remember what they Mm. were um i think actually there was one called marble madness which was one of the hardest games i've ever played in my entire life you're basically a marble and you've got to go through this crazy, like, crystal maze-like world where everything's blocky. Um, and there's like this <laughs> black marble that goes around trying to knock you off the world. 
and uh yeah right. absolutely mental game i don't know how anyone completed it but yeah <laughs> sonic was my highlight i remember uh going straight upstairs setting it all up on on my massive tv that was absolutely huge and it had like a massive back to it whereas nowadays they're all flat aren't they yeah, yeah just just fun fun times Nice. My second best Christmas present I think I ever got was my Tamagotchi. And oh yeah. You had to shake it. Yeah. Constantly for like fifty thousand shakes and you'd unlock some sort of boss and you'd have to like fight it. I think mine might have been some sort of Digimon version. I was gonna say the 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 pedometer version was Digimon. I had one of those and they had like two little yeah. Um, metal kind of contacts on the top, so you could plug into other people's oh, Digimon yeah, and you could battle. Yeah. You could battle them together. Yeah, I had one of those. They they were awesome. I remember very specifically after Christmas going to Spain with my mum to see my nan, and saying to my other nan, "Can you please look after my Digimon?" And guess what? <laughs> it died. It died. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's brilliant. Digimon was like six months old. It was learning how to do all sorts of stuff. You know, I was cleaning its poop because you got all the poops on the screen, didn't you? You had to like wipe it. Yeah. <laughs> and it would like wipe the screen and take it all with it. And uh, my nan killed it within probably three or four hours of having it because she just, I, I wrote literally thousands of notes on how to like deal with it. <laughs> Like intricate details on like if this happens it will need feeding stuff like that and I remember coming back from Spain like yay my digi oh it's dead <laughs> great thanks Nan brilliant <laughs> bit of a lot. to be fair I think you had high expectations I think there, I did yeah. to be honest it's funny though yeah. when you get technology and you're young you just think that everyone should get it that quickly what yeah. do you mean you don't know how to use PowerPoint, Mum? Like, you know, it's it's difficult when you're born into technology, isn't it? Yeah, I think we. Uh, what I find quite interesting about our generation is we we've experienced the pre and post internet yeah. kind of world, internet as it is now, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, I feel quite privileged that I've seen that transition happen. Yeah. Like I remember an internet before YouTube existed. Yeah, like I remember trying to find, you know, I remember going on websites like Albino Black Sheep yeah. and things like that yeah. to watch videos and, yeah. you know, miniclip.com yeah, was yeah, like yeah. The, that was that was everything I did at school. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, like Flash is dead now, isn't it? It went this yeah, year. Sorry. It's just gone. I think like this month. Sorry. Bless yeah. his soul. But anyway. Yeah, I remember uh, spending probably about 45 minutes of an hour of my IT lessons trying to um, get on uh, freejavagames.com or whatever it was, um, yeah. using proxies and web filter websites because our school policy had blocked the website URL and all that sort of fun stuff. See, that was your, that was your real IT education it, there, yeah, wasn't it, but... rather than whatever the Excel yeah. sort of spreadsheet you to create was yeah <laughs> such a pivot table i want to create a web bypass link yeah <laughs> good times <laughs> well this feels really weird because i've only technically been recording for 28 minutes but it's actually like part of a 
really, really long podcast. But I'm just glad mm. that Anchor's finally started behaving. Um, yeah, it certainly seems to. Yeah, weird, isn't it? But there we go. Yeah. Right, so I'm going to uh, going to sign off. If that's all right with you. Yeah. Did you want to talk about a meal deal, or is that? Oh, we haven't done that. Something we're not going to. We haven't stop done press, a meal deal. Stop press. Right, meal deal. Ready when you are. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't eat that many meal deals, to be fair. But when I do, I usually go Tesco's, and I went there last week. And I discovered some things that I haven't had before, but it was decent, so I thought I'd use it. But peanut chicken satay wrap. Okay. If anyone's seen or had one of those, that was that was awesome. Okay. They do one of those. So that was that was the main. They I also saw that they were doing Christmas edition cranberry and pork pies, two of them as a snack. Oh, okay. So ditched the crisps and went for those. Brave move. And then a bottle of Purdy's because right, I, yeah. I felt like I needed some vitamins. What what is like <laughs> what is Purdy's? It's like uh something that grown ups drink to make them feel good about themselves. It's like an it's like an energy drink okay. that isn't an energy drink. It's like got B vitamins and stuff in it and things like that, and then fruit juice rather than sugar. It comes in like a silver bottle, so, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tastes a bit kind of tasted slightly medicinal but when i was a kid i remember trying it once and being like god this is awful yeah but my adult taste buds definitely like it a lot more okay i'll make a note of that because i do see that all the time but i never really know what it's about and i think is this it's quite tasty is this worth the risk risk sorry yeah yeah it's fizzy as well so it's it's quite nice um but yeah. I did want to mention, because I discovered this the other day, I went to Morrison's for a meal deal. Yeah. And if, if you go to, so Tesco's meal deal, if you want like a, and I really like their veggie samosas, yeah, yeah. like the big ones yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But that's the main, that's a main in Tesco. Oh, okay. If you go to Morrison's, that's a side. Ah. So you can get your sandwich, get a samosa and get a drink. So if you're looking for your value for nice, money. Nice. That's that's probably that's probably where it's at. Although the samosa is not quite as nice, so um, I suppose that's what you. Expect. I'm reading between the lines here, Andy. Are you saying that when your wife uh, questions your joint bank account outgoings, why you, you can do <laughs> meal deals out in a week, you could just say to her, "I'm doing research for a show." That's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, because my normal go-to food at work or outside, you know, when I'm working or whatever it is, my meal on the go. Yeah. For about a year and a half now, I've been doing that Huel stuff. Oh, yeah. It's not as good as food, no. but it stops me buying McDonald's because I've got that. So I'll just like go and put some water on it and drink that. Yeah. And then that fills me up until I go home. So, um, yeah. So that's generally why I haven't been doing meal okay. deals because I get, I get that instead. It's a bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Can I just ask you off the back of that? Um, is it because it's good for you or is it because it's portable? Is it convenient? Both, really. Okay. It's both, yeah, because it's like it doesn't purport to be anything kind of. It's not out to try and make you healthier by itself. Yeah. It's just a balanced meal, so it's got its fats and everything in it as yeah, well. Yeah. But it's like if you divided up your recommended daily balanced meals into three, that would be like one of them. If you, okay. you know, put a couple of scoops in and just drank one of those, okay. so it it kind of gives you the the nutritional value that you need and just tastes like like a sort of a i don't know yeah like a fruity fruity shake yeah. um but it's mainly like ground up nuts and yeah. rice and yeah, stuff yeah. like that 
Uh, the reason I ask is because I do want to actually genuinely start eating a bit healthier next year because I'm jogging quite a lot at the moment. I'm jogging three times a week on average with um, not going back to work until January. That might even go up. Decent. Um, I'm usually doing 3K, then 5K, then 5K. Um, so in total, I do about 13K a week. But I get home and eat crap as a reward. Um, and mm. you can't out-train a bad diet. So um, it's mm. kind of negating what I do, if that makes sense. Um, but I've seen a lot of people drink this Huel stuff, and you can tell that they're kind of stiff upper lipping. Like, this is great. I really like <laughs> this. And then they get home and eat like four I prefer donuts. Food. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I prefer food, but it is not it is not the worst thing. Like, I've had protein shakes and stuff that are worse. Yeah. And this isn't a protein. I think they do a protein-y version, but this isn't yeah. a protein thing. Not the one I get anyway. I, um, it's just like I always... the basic. But it's the convenience is a big thing for yeah. me as well because it is like I'm these people where if I'm at work, even if I'm doing that office stuff, yeah. if I'm just involved in work, I won't. I, I can go a whole day and just not eat anything because I'll be so drawn in. Yeah. So at least with this stuff, all I've got to do is put some water on it and I can just drink it at the yeah. desk. Because I always associate like protein shakes with like bulking up and like getting like hench and, you know, not as, as a, uh, I don't know. I feel that like I'm slowly becoming like an endurance jogger. I'm not really bothered. Mm. Like I would like to lift some weights at some point, but that's not my main focus. I want to try and lose some weight. And I feel that like protein mm. shakes, a lot of people go out and they buy like, seven kilograms of like vanilla powder and then they, <laughs> they kind of get bored of it if that makes sense like the whole huel complex that i've just described at work um mm. but yeah i don't know i might have to uh i might have to have a look at that yeah cool yeah well if you want if you want to try some i'll send you some yeah yeah cool I'll, like rather than buying a whole bag of it or whatever but yeah, yeah that, cool that makes sense that's cool right I hope everyone has a good Christmas. Uh, the next podcast will probably be the first week in January. Uh, I've got one of my friends that I've not spoken to in a while, Henry Copson, on, who uh, used to be a musician. Uh, he's got some big news. Um, and I'm trying to figure out a sort of overriding theme for next year. I think January will be kind of transformational um, sort of fitness coaches and personal trainers and stuff um all of that's kind mm. of in the works um so yeah if anyone knows anyone like that then uh, give me a shout and something i have figured out that i want to do next october is i want to have some ghost hunters on the podcast and we can talk about spooky things um because i've always been interested in that but it's kind of just me myself and i at the moment um, and I don't think anyone really wants me to read scary stories without guests being on the show because I just think that's weird. And there's a ton of people already doing that sort of stuff in the podcasting space. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested in um, getting some sort of trying to hone in the guests. Like, yeah, the, the appearances and stuff, they're quite random at the moment, which is obviously the nature of this podcast. But. Yeah, I want to try and uh, get some genres nailed down for like months, and then we can uh, go from there. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a very very strange year, but hopefully we can get back to some normality next year. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stop waffling. Uh, have a good Christmas. Have an excellent New Year. 
and I will speak to you soon. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. Cheers, Ben. Take care. Take care. Merry Christmas. Cheers, you too.